I'd like to ask my listeners a favor. In June, it will be the one-year anniversary of the show. I would like to do a special Q&A episode for the occasion, so I need your help in sending me some questions you'd like me to answer. You can send them to me at truecrimetruckerpodcast at gmail.com or on the Instagram at michael.prit81 or send them to me on Facebook at the True Crime Truckers Podcast Facebook group. Thank you. This podcast deals with true crime. I will be speaking frankly and openly about crimes such as murder, rape, and sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Grayson, Kentucky, January 18, 1993. Moses Lake, Washington, February 2, 1996. Pearl, Mississippi, October 1, 1997. Craighead County, Arkansas, March 24, 1998. What do these dates all have in common? They were days in which mass shootings would occur at schools in the United States. In the 1990s, we started to see an uptick in the number of school shootings and an uptick in media reports pertaining to those school shootings. But no one knew that before the end of the decade was out, we would see the worst school shooting a shooting that left 15 dead and 21 injured 20 years ago this month. Tonight, on the True Crime Truckers podcast, I bring you part one of Columbine. Violence erupted again today, suddenly and with a vengeance. Columbine High in Littleton, Colorado, it has been a horror. Eric David Harris was born April 9, 1981, in Wichita, Kansas. The Harris family relocated often because Eric's father, Wayne Harris, was a U.S. Air Force transport pilot. His mother, Katherine Ann Poole, was a homemaker. The family moved from Plattsburgh, New York, to Littleton, Colorado in July of 1993, when Wayne Harris retired from military service. The Harris family lived in rented houses for the first three years that they lived in the Littleton area. During this time, Eric met Dylan Klebold in 1996. The Harris family purchased a house south of Columbine High School. Eric's older brother attended college at the University of Colorado. 
Dylan Bennett Cleobold was born September 11, 1981, in Lakewood, Colorado, to Thomas and Susan Cleobold. His parents were pacifists and attended a Lutheran church with their children. Both Dylan and his older brother attended confirmation classes in accordance with the Lutheran tradition. As has been the case with his older brother, Dylan was named after a renowned poet, in Dylan's case, Dylan Thomas. At the family home, the Klebolds also observed some rituals in keeping with Klebold's maternal grandfather's Jewish heritage. Klebold attended Normandy Elementary in Littleton, Colorado for the first two grades before transferring to Governor's Ranch Elementary and becoming part of the CHIPS, Challenging High Intellectual Potential Students, program. He found the transition to Ken Carl Middle School difficult. At Columbine High, Harris and Klebold were active in school play productions, operated video productions, and became computer assistants, maintaining the school's computer server. Harris and Klebold linked their personal computers on a network and both played many games over the internet. In 1996, 15-year-old Eric Harris created a private website on American Online. It was initially to host levels Harris created for use in the first-person shooter video games Doom and Doom 2, as well as Quake. On the site, Harris began a blog, which included jokes that end his thoughts on his parents, school, and friends. It also detailed Harris sneaking out of the house to cause mischief and vandalism, such as lighting fireworks with his friend Dylan, Cleobold, and others. The mascot of Columbine High School is the Rebels, and he called these Rebel Missions. Harris and Klebold adopted the nicknames Reb and Vodka, respectively. Beginning in early 1997, the blog postings began to show the first signs of Harris's anger against society. By the end of the year, the site contained instructions on how to make explosives. Harris wrote, quote, the first true pipe bombs created entirely from scratch by the rebels, Reb and Vodka. Now our only problem is to find the place that will be ground zero, unquote. Harris's site attracted few visitors and caused no concern until March 1998. Harris ended a blog post detailing murderous fantasies with, quote, All I want to do is kill and injure as many of you as I can especially a few people like Brooks Brown, unquote, a classmate of his. What happened here at Littleton is a grotesque distortion of high school fears and rivalries involving cliques, the in-groups and out-groups that are a part of teen life in America. Brown claims Klebold gave him the web address in an effort to warn him against Harris's threats of violence against him. Others suggest it was in fact discovered by Brooks's brother, Aaron Brown, in 1997. After Brown's parents viewed the site, they contacted the Jeffco Sheriff's Office, 
When investigator Michael Guerrera accessed the website, he discovered numerous violent threats directed against the students and teachers of Columbine High School. Guerrera wrote a draft affidavit requesting a search warrant of the Harris's household. The affidavit also mentioned that the discovery of an exploded pipe bomb in February of 1998 and the suspicion of Harris being involved in the unsolved case. The affidavit was never filed. On January 30, 1998, Harris and Klebold broke into a van that was parked near Littleton and stole tools and computer equipment. Shortly afterwards, they were arrested by a police officer and subsequently attended a joint court hearing where they pled guilty to the felony theft. The judge sentenced them to a juvenile diversion program. As a result, both delinquents attended mandatory classes such as anger management and talked with diversion officers. Harris also began therapy with a psychologist and was prescribed antidepressants by a psychiatrist. They both were eventually released from diversion several weeks early because of positive actions in the program and put on probation. Harris continued his scheduled meetings with his psychologist until a few months before the massacre. Of Harris, it was remarked that he was, quote, a very bright individual who was likely to succeed in life, unquote while Cleobold was said to be intelligent but, quote, needs to understand that hard work is part of fulfilling a dream, unquote. On April 30th, Harris handed over the first version of a letter of an apology he wrote to the owner of the van, which he completed the next month. In the letter, Harris expressed regret about his actions. Nearly a year before the massacre, Cleobold wrote a message in Harris's 1998 yearbook, quote, killing enemies, blowing up stuff, killing cops, my wrath for January's incident will be godlike, not to mention our revenge in the commons, unquote. The commons was another term for the school cafeteria. and Klebold kept journals, which were released to the public in 2006. In the journals, the pair would eventually document their arsenal and plan of attack. Shortly after the court hearing for the van break-in, Harris reverted his website back to just posting user-created levels of doom. He began to write his thoughts down in a journal instead. It shows a long period of methodical preparation for the massacre. In one of his journal entries dated April 12th, he wrote, quote, Isn't America supposed to be free, the land of the free? How come, if I'm free, I can't deprive some fucking dipshit from his possessions if he leaves them sitting in front of the seat of his fucking van, in plain sight, in the middle of fucking nowhere, on a Friday fucking night? Natural selection. Fucker should be shot. Unquote. Harris even wrote on his computer about escaping to a foreign country after the attack or hijacking an aircraft at Denver International Airport and crashing it into New York City. 
Leopold had already been writing down his thoughts since March 1997, and as early as November 1997, Klebold mentioned going on a killing spree. Harris and Klebold also used their schoolwork to foreshadow the massacre. They both displayed themes of violence in their creative writing projects. Harris wrote a paper on school shootings and a poem from the perspective of a bullet. Klebold wrote a short story about a man killing students, which worried his teacher so much that she alerted his parents. Both had actively researched war and murder. For one project, Harris wrote a paper on the Nazis, and Klebold wrote a paper on Charles Manson. In a psychology class, Harris wrote he dreamed of going on a shooting spree with Klebold. Harris's journals described several experimental bomb detonations. Harris and Klebold were both enrolled in video production classes and kept five videotapes that were recorded with school video equipment. Only two of these, Hitman for Hire and Rampart Range, and part of a third have been released. In December of 1998, Harrison Klebold made Hitman for Hire, a video for a school project in which they swore, yelled at the camera, made violent statements, and acted out shooting and killing students in the hallway of their school as hitmen for hire. No, you goddamn piece of punk-ass shit! Do not mess with that friggin' kid! If you do, I'll rip off your goddamn head and shove it so far up your friggin' ass, you'll be coughing up dandruff for four friggin' months! They both displayed themes of violence in their creative writing projects for school, of a doom-based story written by Harris on January 17, 1999, Harris's teacher said, quote, Yours is a unique approach, and your writing works in a gruesome way, good details and mood setting, unquote. The remaining three tapes detail their plans and reason for the massacre, including the ways they hid their weapons and deceived their parents. Most of these were shot in the Harris family basement and are known as the basement tapes. 30 minutes before the attack, they made a final video saying goodbye and apologizing to their friends and family. In the months prior to the attack, Harris and Klebold acquired two 9mm firearms and two 12-gauge shotguns. Harris had a high point 995 carbine with 13 10-round magazines and a Savage Springfield 67H pump-action shotgun. Klebold used a 9x19mm Intrac Tech 9 semi-automatic handgun with 152, 132, and 128 round magazine, and a Stevens 311D double barrel shotgun. Harris's shotgun was sawed off to around 26 inches, and Klebold shortened his shotgun to a length of 23 inches, a felony under the National Firearms Act. With guns. With cut off guns are bad. When yeah. you saw them off and make them illegal, bad things happen to you. <laughs> Just say no to sawed-offs. Yes, No, no, no. Kicks. On November 22, 1998, their friend Robin Anderson had purchased a carbine rifle and two shotguns for the pair at a Tanner gun show as they were too young to legally purchase the guns themselves. After the attack, she told investigators that she had believed the pair wanted the items for target shooting and that she had no prior knowledge of the plans. Anderson was not charged. Harris and Klebold both held part-time jobs at a local blackjack pizza. Through Philip Duran, a co-worker, Klebold bought the Tech 9 
handgun from Mark Maines for $500 at another gun show on January 23rd. After the massacre, Maines and Dunn were both prosecuted. Each were charged with supplying a handgun to a minor and possession of a sawed-off shotgun. Maines and Duran were sentenced to a total of six years and to four and a half years in prison, respectively. In addition to the firearms, the complex and highly planned attack involves several improvised explosive devices, or IEDs. Using instructions obtained via the internet and the anarchist cookbook, Klebold and Harris constructed a total of 99 bombs. These included pipe bombs, carbon dioxide cartridges filled with gunpowder called crickets, Molotov cocktails, propane tanks converted to bombs, car bombs, and diversionary bombs. For ignition, they used kitchen matches and model rocket igniters, as well as timing devices built from clocks and batteries for the propane car and diversion bombs. During the massacre, they carried lighters, as well as match strikers taped to their forearms to light the pipe bombs and crickets. They had 45 crickets, 8 of which detonated, and 9 Molotov cocktails, 2 of which functioned. Harris also attempted to make napalm and envisioned a kind of backpack and flamethrower. They both attempted to get another friend and co-worker, Chris Morris, who was a part of the Trenchcoat Mafia, to keep the napalm at his house, but he refused. Harris also tried to recruit him to be the third shooter, but would play it off as a joke when rebuked. Harris's website contained directions on making pipe bombs, including use of shrapnel. Harris's parents once discovered one of his pipe bombs. Harris's journal logged the creation of 25 pipe bombs, a total of 35 were used during the massacre, 14 of which were detonated. Klebold scared his co-workers by once bringing a pipe bomb into work. They would give names to the pipe bombs. After the massacre, two pipe bombs had been left in Klebold's bedroom, one named Vengeance and the other Atlanta, presumably after the Olympic Park bombing. They had eight propane tanks used for bombs. The weekend before the shootings, Harris and Klebold bought two propane tanks and other supplies from a hardware store for a few hundred dollars. They brought six propane tanks on the morning of the attack. Harris was caught on a Texaco gas station security camera at 9.12 a.m. buying a blue rhino propane tank. Each cafeteria bomb was made from one 20-pound tank with a gallon gas can attached. Each car bomb was made from pipe bombs and two 20-pound propane tanks with gas cans and bottles set throughout. 
Eight pipe bombs were used in Klebold's car and one in Harris's. In the morning hours before the massacre, Harris left a micro-cassette labeled, quote, Nixon, on the kitchen table. On it, Harris said, quote, it is less than nine hours now, unquote, placing the recording at some time around 2.30 a.m. He went on to say, quote, people will die because of me, and it will be a day that will be remembered forever, unquote. next episode we will go over the actual massacre as well as the aftermath and how the media portrayed violent video games and music as a contributing factor in Harris's and Cleobold's decision to kill. As always you can contact me at truecrimetruckerpodcast at gmail.com or join the Facebook group at True Crime Truckers Podcast. You can also visit my website at www.ageofradio.org backslash truecrimetrucker backslash. Also, if you would like to donate to the show and get yourself a True Crime Truckers podcast sticker, go to www.patreon.com backslash podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at michael.prit81. I will return in two weeks with another case to present. So until then, stay safe.